Hey, what's going on, guys? Vinny Hart here from CreationAstronomyNow.com and Creationist Company with my brother Joe. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Creation Astronomy Now podcast, where the show that's all been going on for a year now, at least we think it has. We haven't really been keeping that much track of it. I mean, I'm pretty sure we started in August, right? So that means we'd be going for more than that. Unless we started more like in October. I mean, I... I don't know. And we started... It's, oh. I think it was... I, I feel like it was August. Yeah, but uh, I think August was when we started parkour. Well, no, no. It was, it was, it was September, uh, right? Yeah, September was when we started parkour, but... Uh, when did we start? When did we start? When I did think, we start, guys? I think guys? we started about a year from a month ago. Just I'm just guessing, because we had about a month of break, but when you do the math... One episode every two weeks, about 52 weeks in a year. So technically that would be 26 episodes, but putting them out together, 25 episodes, would be approximately one year. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I got one. That's a little wrong here, but... Yeah, that should be one year, but it isn't exactly, because we had a bit of a break. First we were sick once, and then I think we took a little bit off during the season, but... <sighs> But anyway, we hope I'm, we're not planning on having any more uh, breaks in the podcast. We may in the future. I may start doing like only during the winter and have like different seasons. But yeah. for now, we are coming at you every other week with a new episode of the Creation Astronomy Now podcast, and this is episode number twenty-five. Yeah, and keeping one, having one every other week is hard enough. I couldn't imagine trying to come up with something every single week and getting the time to film it. We would just have to film several episodes at once, which is yes. the new process we're taking up now. Yeah, we're trying that now. I don't know why I never thought of that before, I guess. Yeah, it is kind of confusing because I've got twenty-five number, episode twenty-five papers, the shot did it for you know, and then I got episode twenty six, and I yeah, don't want to accidentally still, look on the wrong one. Yeah, we're still recording episode twenty four, so right. that's why you may notice that I no longer say what episode the podcast is because once I messed up, and I'm not a big, you know, I'm not big on saying, oh, I messed up. I don't. I'm not ever gonna do that again. But I do. I did decide that saying which episode it was was a little bit of a, uh, a bit of a, you know, you couldn't move it around if you wanted to. If you want to, like, oh, we got a new issue coming on. Let's move this over, record a special episode of the podcast, talk about this issue. So, you know, I'm just trying to keep everything open. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we have not had any time to really rehearse. We have not had any time to think of some good jokes. So no. we are, for to celebrate our 25th episode, the milestone, we are going to talk about our top five episodes of the first 25. Which I suppose technically is not the top five of the first 25, because this is one of the podcasts on it, and we're talking about the first five. So I, I suppose it would be the first five of the 20, first 24, right? Yeah, the top five of the first 24, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. You said uh, the first five was the top 20. No, no, the first five. The best the first five of the first 24. <laughs> the best five, that's what you mean. Yeah, we're talking about the top, the best five. And this, is, of course, is based on, you know, what we feel is the most important issues that we want episodes that turned out best uh, and the ones that are most popular. That's based on YouTube views and how many likes and comments, good comments we got. That's a hint for you guys. I appreciate all the likes and the good comments. Keep it up, please. And 
while you're at it, be sure to share this episode because this will be a good episode to share. Because we're going to be talking about several other ever, other episodes, and we're going to feature a few of them. We're going to show you in a minute, but first, let's uh. Say let's uh, get on with the podcast. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so... So things have changed in a lot of time. I mean, I've, but one thing has not changed. Our mission. Our mission is still to encourage and equip Christians to defend their faith in the Bible. Starting with the very first verse. Actually, there's two things that have never changed. What's that thing? Our lame puns. Yeah, I love of puns. Actually, I don't know. I mean, okay, not all of them are lame. I mean, some of them are pretty, uh, pretty good. Well, pretty okay amount of good. I mean, they're not, they're not great, <laughs> but. And the homeschool, uh, homeschool convention podcast is still the worst podcast ever that we've ever done. That is still totally legit. For all you guys who want to get into podcasting, maybe my advice: use notes. But anyway. Let's talk about the top five episodes. So starting at the bottom and working up, why don't we work up to number one? Is that like to say, and no, the number one? Or is it I know, like, I used to think you named the number one off first. This is the best, this is the second best. It makes more sense to do five, four, three, two, one, because then you say, yeah. now it's time for number one. So let's start at number five. Right. First of all, before we just jump into it, um. I know you travel around a lot, so where exactly are you right now? Right now, I am actually home in Nashville, Tennessee. I do travel around quite a bit, but uh, it's it's good to be home and uh, uh, just trying to stay warm. Awesome. So, how would you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, you know, several years ago, I, I was homeschooled all my life. Um... Uh, which gave me freedom to do more traveling. I traveled to uh, the Middle East. Uh, I've been to Israel about a dozen times, uh, working with um, uh, archaeological projects in the Holy Land. And so uh, a lot of exciting opportunities. And several years ago, I got interested in astronomy. And I know you guys are, are very interested in astronomy. I think you have your own telescope there. And and that's kind of how uh, it began with me. Um, I started looking through a telescope, and and I was amazed at what what you could see. I said, I can't keep this to myself. I'd like to share this with other people. And so I formed a little ministry and started talking about how, uh, you know, just like Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You know, it says that day unto day uttereth speech, and night after night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So uh, that tells me that uh, what we can see in the heavens is pretty special. And um, it certainly is beautiful. When you see all of the colors and all of those stars and all of the detail, uh, it's just amazing. So I started telling people about it. And I went around to churches and uh, did presentations and showed some pictures that I had taken with my telescope. And it just grew from there. I... I um, did uh, create a, a produced a short documentary uh, several years ago called "The Heavens Declare the Glory of God," and uh, well, it people seem to enjoy it. It was translated into Russian, German, Ukrainian. It was spread across the world on Christian television, 
and I thought, um, wow, I mean, this is an amazing opportunity to let a lot of people know that um, we weren't created by accident, that this universe didn't ju just happen from an explosion uh, 14 billion years ago. So uh, I continued on. I ended up writing my first book, Wonders Without Number, and um, what an exciting opportunity that was. And uh, I did produce another documentary about two years ago called In the Beginning, Creation According to Genesis. And... Um, that was semi-finalist at the largest Christian film festival in the world, uh, so I was excited about that. And and then, to top everything off, a few months ago I was asked to be um, the host of a show on TBN, uh, Creation in the 21st Century, where I interview some of the top scientists from around the world uh, on creation versus evolution, astronomy, uh, you know, biology, archaeology, all of these different topics that shows, hey, the Bible's been right all along, and it is scientific to believe what we read in the scriptures. Number four, distant starlight. I'm planning on making an episode to revisit that, but you know, you know, Joe, some of these, they may not be the best episodes but it's how important they are that makes them up or down. Changes their rankings. It determines how high they'll be ranked. And you know, this is an issue I feel is really important. You know, give me that thing, you're bugging me with that. Uh, two hours later, you arrive at your destination at 4 o'clock. How is this possible? Um... You arrive somewhere else where the time where the time was different. Yeah, you were, you you leave a plane at four o'clock local time, and arrive two hours later at your destination four o'clock local time. So that's because there are time zones here on Earth because the Earth is round and it's you know here where when it's sometimes when it's day here on the other side of Earth it's mm -hmm. night. So we had time zones to figure out different times of time. And we can do the same thing in space. So basically, the alternate synchrony convention says that light leaves the star on day four cosmic local time and arrives day four cosmic local time. So I, I, it doesn't sound like it makes, you know, but yeah, it's one of those theories which they're working out. And so, you have three theories. The speed of light decays over time in CDK gravity affects time in the gravitation time dilation and light the parson arrives day 4 in cosmic local time in the alternate synchrony convention now these are not the only theories but for a yeah I figured I'd just cover the basics you know no sense in complicating things on only episode number 8 nobody would understand what we are talking about anyway so anyway the Big Bang also has a light travel time problem. So if a Big Banger comes to you and says, Ah, you know, I'm just dirty. It's so stupid. Uh, I got a distant starlight problem. You say, yeah, but the Big Bang has a distant starlight problem too. See, during the beginning, according to the Big Bang, parts of the universe were either very hot or very cold. You So, you've got the cosmic microwave background. You ever heard of that? Basically, oh, yeah, uh, those are those things you put the hot dog in and they cook it in like 10 seconds. No, the cosmic <laughs> microwave background. Basically, this was like a uh, supposed baby picture of the universe when it first started out. It's, uh, basically, it's like a, if you could see it, it'd be like, you know, you go in the sky and it'd be glowing with these 
nice pretty shapes but um apparently you know this they said oh the big bang must be true there's this cosmic microwave background but the the cosmic microwave background wasn't you know it wasn't as quite what they expected see uh today the temperatures in the cosmic microwave background are almost completely even so you know same temperature here is same temperature way over there so light would have had to travel to even at the temperatures because according to the big bang parts of it were either very hot or very cold so there's not enough time even in 4.6 billion years for this to happen it's not enough time for it to even out the temperatures so big bang believers also have to make light go faster so but they have a um a argument i mean uh answer for that every single question you ask every single um thing you tell them like that they just can say that's not true that's number three big bang smoking gun with dr harnett hartnett hartnett not to be mistaken Har with hartnett hartnett yes i was thinking about that mm -hmm. hey, that's i thought oh yeah i sometimes wonder if you know it would go related somewhere distantly but actually it would have to be hartnett because that is the old way of spelling hartnett well, we both came from Adam, I guess, or uh, the yeah. same AP Noah's family, I guess. <laughs> or as the atheists would put it, we all crawled out of the same primordial <laughs> soup. Yeah, we're all from the same soup. Yep, same soup. So how do you, as a creationist and other creationists, how do they view this smoking gun discovery? Well, it's, it's like, well, everything else that goes on in evolutionary thinking. It's largely storytelling because you have to understand the difference between experimental, repeatable science and historical science. And cosmology is largely historical science. And the reason it is, is because you can't interact with the universe. They say they make predictions and, and observe. Well, they do make observations, there's no doubt about it. But as I said earlier, uh, you would have to prove that that what you are seeing is could could not come from any other possible cause. Whereas in a laboratory, what you do, you interact with your experiment. You know, you might send some light in, or you might kick it and see what happens. But with the universe, you can't interact with it. It's not a laboratory where you can do an experiment and do a sort of a repeatable experiment and get a predictable outcome. And that's the problem. And so it is largely just storytelling about what you believe happened in the past. Uh, it's much, again, like uh, our case of the forensic science, you know, the guy going on the um, crime scene and seeing the guy standing there with the smoking gun. Can you be certain that the guy holding the smoking gun was the, the perpetrator of the crime if you never saw him actually do it? You can't, can you? You can't be certain because you didn't. Okay, anyway, it's Bill Nye, he liked to point out that, uh, you know, he's like, we can observe it just like we see the observer crime. Well, the thing about the crime scenes, you go, you look at the scene of crime, you have to have some eyewitnesses. And we have an exactly. eyewitness, but they don't have any eyewitnesses. They have to go by just observation, which can get very, very complicated. So, anyway, yeah, it's all circumstantial. That's the whole point. It's all circumstantial evidence. Right. So uh, now, this is this Big Bang smoking gun. They're claiming that it blows the uh, horizon and bury on number of problem. Which, uh, by the way, guys, I.
talk a little bit about those two problems, the horizon problem and the baryon number problem, in very uh, layman terms in my ebook, The Big, ba big Bang versus Science, which you can get for free on our website. But anyway, do, although, does the Big Bang smoking gun, does that throw those problems out the water? Well, the inflation was, well, one of the problems it was meant to solve is the horizon problem, right? With the idea that uh, wherever we look in space, we see the same uniform temperature of the cosmic microwave background. And so if you could prove inflation to be uh, a true historical event, then you would have an answer to the horizon problem. You would. Right? That, that, would be, that would be the case. But can you prove it? That's the question. And and it's not just baryon number problem, it's as I told you, the monopole problem, the flatness problem, the smoothness problem, the isotropy problem, all of these problems are meant to be solved by this. Yeah. So uh, would, you, is there, would you touch on some of these problems that there are with the Big Bang? Well, it's a critical, a fine-tuning problem that the Big Bang has. The Big Bang is, is the notion that um, you know, as we understand that the universe started expanding out of a singularity 13.8 billion years ago, and then in fitting the theory to the observation, certain things have arisen that are necessary to fit theory to observation. And these I call fudge factors. One of them is dark matter. Dark matter is uh, required on all scales in the universe, in, in, in galaxies, in uh, clusters, in superclusters, and in the whole universe as a whole. Dark matter is unobserved, undetected. Now, I'm not against dark matter per se. In other words, if we could find some new particle that would fulfill the bill, then, then I would believe it to be true. But for 40 years now, uh, experimentalists have been looking for dark matter in research labs in experiments on Earth, um, all types of experiments, and they've never found it. So what it is, is dark matter and dark energy are fudge factors that are used to make the theory fit the observations. You know, this is a little bit like that story. Do you know the emperor's new clothes? You know that story? You may not know it. You do know it. Yeah, right? And everyone, we're, you know, we're, he wasn't wearing educated. any clothes at all, was he, you know? But, but everyone was saying, oh, how wonderful those clothes are. Who is the brave scientist who's going to speak out and say the emperor's naked? You know, this is the problem, isn't it? It's the political environment in the scientific community because grant funding. Can you imagine if you're funded to look for dark matter? Are you going to start denying its existence? Of course not. People want to get their grant funding. There's an enormous amount of money spent on this. And dark energy is the same problem. Dark energy, I was only only uh, brought, well, you could say it was brought back because, you know, they'd been around for a while with this idea of uh, Einstein's cosmological constant that he had inserted into his field equations back, uh, back in the 1920s. Um, anyway, uh, that was brought back because they, when they were looking at these uh, high redshift supernova, these exploding stars, when you compared that of a certain spectral class of supernova, the type 1As, it seemed to be that uh, they were dimmer than, than they should be. And therefore, to make the theory fit the observations, you had to add another fudge factor. And that's sort of an anti-gravity type effect. Now, what is dark energy? Something that causes things to repel each other. 
that's not known in physics. No one knows that in the lab. That, that's just like fairies in the bottom of the garden, as far as real physics goes. But in cosmology, anything seems to be possible because they've got to make the theory fit. You know, and, uh, and it, I could go on and on on these things. Uh, the, the, the whole problem of the origin of the universe out of a singularity. A singularity is not exactly a black hole, but it's like the entire universe began uh, without dimension, without matter, without energy. Uh, and it's expanded smoothly out of this, this point some, at some point of infinite density, but even that makes no sense because it started from nothing, so you can't have matter at infinite density. So there are many problems associated with that and people are now trying to model the origin of or the start of the universe um, out of this singularity and Stephen Hawking says um, something like Oh, we can't know how the universe began exactly because it had many histories. Hear that? Many histories, like in some quantum particle type world, and uh, we only sampled some of them. It didn't have a unique history, is what he's saying. Um, this is because they reject God. This is their worldview, a rejection of God. And uh, there's no creator in their worldview. So the Big Bang has no creator. They can only then look to the, to the laws of physics or nature for the start of the universe. Um, but there are many fine-tuning problems too. As their universe expanded, um, it had to remain perfectly flat over the entire period of expansion. Flat meaning Euclidean space, which required a balance between kinetic energy and potential energy of something like a part and 10 to the 50. This is ultra fine tuning, you know, that it was always tipped on this super, super sort of um, edge, best way to describe it. And uh, it never went one way or the other. Um, there are many of these type of issues, but that gives you a bit of a, a, a flavor of it. Number two, back to school interview with Jake Dobrins. That one was that one was really cool. I mean, that one was. A I like that one. I had a lot of stuff to say. Yeah, guys, give me a thumbs up for that. Yeah, we need a thumb. We need lots of thumbs up. We need yeah, lots of that, thumbs up. that is a lots of thumbs. Make up for those unlikes. And for how so many people pile hate on us. Um, it's tough because at first glance, you know, the arguments don't seem that half bad. Uh, this guest speaker, for instance. When, I, when he was saying the kind of when he was saying some of that stuff about the contradictions and you know of different uh, a law in Exodus and another law in Deuteronomy that was say like talking about the Passover lamb it was actually a contradiction because it said to do, it said to roast it here but to boil it here little things like that at first that seems like man there is a contradiction you know, but what does it really mean well when you really dig into this stuff. Those kind of feelings of, I don't know, I don't know, they go away because I don't know if he did this on purpose, but it feels like those kinds of professors don't maybe expect you to look at the evidence behind it. Because when you dig deep, you find out, wait a second, they're not, what they're saying is not accurate. 
you know, they miss some major component, whether it's logic or some kind of new historical. Um, and so I feel like you know, persecution hits the most hard when you haven't done your research. But when you do your homework, you can kind of build that foundation, I guess. That's a good tip for anybody in public school or even the homeschool system. Do your homework, do your research on the stuff, and um, and it, which makes sense. If you do your research, you have a better foundation for your belief. And when you have a stronger foundation, when you build your house on the rock, as Jesus might say, it's not going to be washed away by the winds and the rains, you know? Yeah, remember, guys, you're supposed to, you know, we, we also, often we think, you know, we need to have scientific evidence for every single, single thing that we believe. But uh, in reality, we, our foundation is on the Bible, and the Bible never changes. And, you know, science changes all the time. And we've seen that. I mean, just like astronomy, I've read it for many times, that like astronomers have to be ready to change their minds about things all the time because new evidence keeps getting discovered. And the same things for all aspects of science, but the Bible never changes, which is why we need to have that foundation. But uh, yeah, I wanted to look up the statistics, but unfortunately, I never thought of it when I had the time. But uh, Jake, what's your guess at the uh, statistics of what percentage of the kids are Christians and non-Christians in school? Um, hmm. You know, it's, I, it's hard to kind of put some actual parameters on what is a Christian, because I'll tell you what, I see a lot of theists. I see a lot of people believe in God, but for various reasons, it's difficult to either tell or to actually quantify them or to put them in the category of Christian. Um, and I'm being delicate here, because I definitely don't know people's hearts. But when I, I think public school is kind of a, is a, is an arena that kind of tests, you know, it, 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 it separates the lukewarm Christians from the, the, the Christians with that more solid basis, I guess. And so for a statistic, I would almost say the majority of people in public school consider themselves Christians. Even if it's like, or, you know, my grandpa or my grandma takes me to, you know, Catholic Mass once a month. They, to them, that's, they consider themselves a Christian if they kind of attend this faith tradition that they don't even really associate themselves with. Um, and so I would say the majority are Christians. But as for those that hold maybe a young earth creationist perspective or hold a more literal interpretation of the Bible, few and far between. Um, maybe 5%, maybe 10% of those in the public school system, well, at least I, I should say in the in the Northwest of the United States, up where I'm, I'm from, in, in Oregon. Um, as for the Bible belts down south, probably different statistic. But from what I think, Public school system, although claiming neutrality, is very much, you know, on purpose or not, against uh, against a good literal interpretation of the Bible, taking it at face value. So it's hard to put a statistic on that. It's hard to put a number. But really, the, you know, the small percentage of, uh, of Christians and the number of kids leaving church when they get after they get through college, it's really sad. But then again, it's 
it's exciting because it gives us something to go for. You know, we say this is our mission to give people answers to equip children in public it, it schools. It makes us feel like when we do something, we're actually going to accomplish something. Yeah, we have Just a reason. When you going. like me and Vinny are, you know, our creation astronomy now, I feel like there's actually a point of having it and running it, you know, working our tail off, <laughs> trying to keep it, you know, the website up and running, so, but, when you think about that, it almost, it really makes you want to keep trying to get the word out, you know. Yeah. Don't forget, guys, if you want to see any of these episodes, you can check out a link in the description for all five. Hey, hey wait, 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 Oh, are we going to get on, on to number one? We're going to get on to number one. And number one is... Wait, drum roll. Just get on with it, okay? <laughs> okay. Number one. Atheists. Men of faith. That one is a controversial episode. Was that one even any good? No, it was okay. You know, we had a stupid star of the show, a smart girl, and a wizard who was played by Morgan Freeman. The lizard. And as a matter of fact, Morgan Freeman had an interview on CNN. You, you saw it. What was your first, you know, what was your first response after seeing that interview? Well, my first response of, well, I, I was thinking, how can he be a man of faith? You see, he's you know, like, what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, like, we're, 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 you know, we have faith. You know, we have faith in mm -hmm. God that He is what He says He is. You know, mm -hmm. and that the Bible is true. You know, he has faith that science is true. He has faith in the scientific theories. Is basically what he said. By the way, I'm gonna have that on our YouTube channel. For I definitely recommend you check out the full interview on the channel. I'm gonna have a little clip, a little clip just played. For you to know what you were talking about here, yeah, of where he said, "I'm a man of faith, not a man of God." Yeah, she was like, because the lady asked, she basically asked, he said, "So, so, you, so you're a man of God?" He was like, "When did I say I was a man of God?" And she said, "That's not what he said." He said oh, faith! He's no, 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 no. You're like a, a really fast. Faith. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You would make a good. Why? Why don't they ever interview you on CNN? You would make a great. <laughs> I guess because I've got the truth, and they don't want the truth. They want no truth. They want, they want fertilizer. They want nothing but truth. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, um, really, all all scientists have faith. Morgan Freeman pointed something very interesting out that, contrary to what Bill Nye says, scientists do not have faith. I mean, they they, they are not open to new ideas. They have faith in the uh, ideas that they have come up with. And uh, until they're absolutely proven wrong, they have faith that they're so, just like Morgan Freeman said. And that is that. We got through the top five episodes of the first 25 in the Creation Astronomy Now podcast. It's been a crazy ride, you know, I mean, just everything that's happened in the last year, it just amazes me, you know, I mean, you think, you know, you first you gotta get, like, thousands of subscribers, and then those medium guys will start caring about you, but no. But so. we've almost reached 50 subscribers, we've got 25 episodes, we've got a lot of videos, and we're working on even more, I'm excited about this. I know it doesn't seem by my voice, but that's because... This is the first podcast episode we're recording in a sequence, so hopefully I'll be able to get upbeat enough yeah. by the time we're ready to record number two in this segment. So, 
are we, are we done? Yeah, I think that. So, like, share, subscribe. Till next time, take it easy. We are out.